What's going on? This is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. This is a very special episode because my guest today is someone I grew up with. We played high school football together, and this person is someone I've looked up to and admired for a very long time because of his entrepreneurial spirit and passion for adventure and traveling the world. Christian Osmo is a multi-passionate serial entrepreneur who, at the age of 17, had already started down the entrepreneurial path by outsourcing his daily tasks working for a major web development company to a VA in another country, while he also held down a job at a sandwich shop in our small town of Ashland, Oregon. This passion for optimizing for efficiency allowed him to earn multiple income streams from various jobs simultaneously while still in high school and early on in his career, eventually having a hand in starting dozens of businesses many of which are generating income for his family today. Just a few of the golden takeaways Christian shares in this episode are how he has been able to maximize profitability by creating systems that make life more efficient, how COVID destroyed his most successful business venture, brought him down to his last $400, unable to support his family, and how through sheer tenacity, he was able to get things back on track by gaming the DoorDash, Grubhub, and Uber Eats delivery model and creating a system that allowed him to earn over $12,000 in one month and get back on track to building new successful businesses and passive income streams over the past three years. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Christian Osmo. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey, Christian. Welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Hey, TJ. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Yeah, man. Excited for you to be here. Yeah, Um, yeah, same. So for starters, since you and I graduated high school, you've been on an incredible journey in business and in life. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you became the adventurous entrepreneur you are today? Well, um, I mean, it it does date back, you know, a long time ago to, to, to high school, I guess I, I pretty much, I started a, I started a web design company, uh, like pretty much right out of high school. I don't know if, do you remember when I worked at Pita Pit? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I worked at Pita Pit and I started, I literally brought my, my laptop behind the, the counter and when it wasn't busy, I was. I built websites yep. <laughs> and I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but um, that was what I did. I, I worked at fast food and then behind the counter, I worked on websites. And then uh, after I graduated from high school, uh, I went off to college um, and I continued that. I got one like telecommuting web web development job. Um, and the fact that it was telecommuting, I, I quickly realized that it means I can do it from anywhere. You know, I'd, I think that they kind of assumed that I was in the U.S., but I I moved to Mexico, <laughs> and so um, no, I I mean that's that's kind of where it all begins, you know. I I I went, I got a job, I 
moved to Mexico, did it from there. I started outsourcing pretty much straight away. When I was like eight, uh, 19, 20 years old, something like that. Um, and it was just, I mean, that's it. I, I've traveled, I've been to around 40 some odd countries. I've lived in about six. Um, I, I've been all over, done, done dozens of different businesses now. And um, yeah, I suppose that's it. I mean, yeah, no. And, and so you touched on something that I want you to elaborate a little bit more on. So sure, I think you told me a story and this might've been the telecommuting job where you were working at Pita Pit or that you'd moved to Mexico, but you outsourced like all of the work, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had, I had this job. My job, most of my job was essentially to migrate websites from uh, from my clients, from, sorry, from old, like an old host to a, a new host. Essentially, my client was a web host um, that had their own like content management system and stuff like that. And my job was just to migrate all of the their new clients' websites into their new system. And it didn't take me long to realize that like any any dummy can do this job. <laughs> it doesn't take a web developer, right? So yeah, I, I outsourced. I, I found somebody on Freelancer to to just do all the work for me, and um, and I just kind of kind of lived lived it up, I suppose, in Mexico, Central America, and lived my best life, I suppose. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's very um, in line with a book I read years ago, like The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Yeah, Basically yeah, yeah. How no to how to outsource your your work, and I know it's something that's a lot more common, even in you know, salaried roles these days where people are taking on dual salaries and yeah, you know, hiring freelancers in other countries to do the bulk of the work. And, you know, I think it's, that's an entrepreneurial venture, even if you don't own your own business. Definitely. Even if you don't take it any further than that. I mean, that's, that's something, something worth celebrating for sure. I mean, something that takes a little bit of outside the box thinking. Yeah. Some ingenuity and yeah. And that's allowed you to do some pretty amazing things. Like you said, traveling the world, starting multiple businesses, and we'll, yeah. we'll get into some of those, I'm sure. But tell me a little bit about where things are at for you today. What has your focus right now? So it took me a very long time to realize that this should be my core business. First of all, my wife and I, we have like a dozen different businesses doing various things. But our, our main moneymaker is sort of an outsource agency slash VA company, however you want to call it. I like to call it an outsource company because VA has a certain connotation um, that they do admin work and stuff like that. But so we have an outsource agency um, and, and it just it just it came from that that initial period in my life where I realized I could I could make money. I could bring it in. I could you know get a job and outsource it. And. I'll tell you what, um, that, that book that you mentioned, the four hour work week, the first time I read it, I was already outsourcing. I was quite literally working the four hour work week before I ever read the book. Um, but when I read the book, it kind of like expanded. I don't know. It, it kind of like changed the way I looked at it even, even more than it did before, because I was hiring this guy who, you know, barely spoke English. And he's doing a job just like migrating content over. But when he, when Tim Ferriss, when he talks about like migrating, uh, sorry, outsourcing emails and, and admin work and stuff like that, it's just, it takes like a totally different type of person that I don't even think that I thought was possible, right? If that makes sense. And so when I read that book, it did kind of change the way I did things. And 
we, we added more businesses, we added more employees, we added different roles, which, uh, you know, I, I had kind of seen it more as a, as a development thing because the language isn't such a barrier. But I mean, the way that everything's evolved over the last decade or so, it's just, it's expanded so much, if that makes sense. No, it definitely has. It's easier than ever before to <laughs> connect with people from around the world and source great talent and collaborate. And also, like you're saying, start dozens of businesses that can provide yeah. a, a very great lifestyle for, for you and your family. And yeah. this podcast is about entrepreneurship, but one of the biggest hurdles that most successful entrepreneurs face at one time or another myself included, is living a well-rounded life and doing the things that bring them the most joy with the people that they care about most. Yeah. And yeah what totally. does living that well-rounded life look like for you with so much going on, <laughs> including yeah, yeah. being a, a husband and, and having children? Uh, no, totally. hundred uh, percent. Actually, I, I think that that's, that's by far the most important thing. And so if I had to talk about what a well-rounded life looks like, I'll be honest, work like barely even makes it into that list um, because it's like, I mean, being, being a, a good husband, being a good dad, it means spending a lot of time with your family and work is the thing that we spend, you know, the majority of our time on. So I think personally, my, I mean, my, my specific role, my kind of, philosophy, I suppose, is I try to minimize everything there. Obviously, you know, you have to make a living, you have to make money. And we all have passions that we want to follow. My job is sort of to help people minimize the things that have to be done that they don't want to do. And, and so like, for me, for what a well rounded life looks like, is spending as much time as I can with my family, uh, minimizing the things that need to get done that I have that, you know, that have to get done while at the same time, kind of following curiosity, following passion. I think that for me, at least work and um, personal life go hand in hand. I, I don't really personally, I don't really think that uh, I don't have, I don't believe in a work-life balance. It doesn't really work for me. I, we have one company called learning tale, which is a, we produce like videos and educational content for kids. Um, and so like, that's like, I'm going to say our third most important company. <laughs> I don't know exactly what order they go in, but, um, but that goes like, so, that's so in ingrained in part of my everyday life. It's like it, every facet, because I'm with my kids all the time. We, we homeschool them, by the way. I don't, I guess I didn't mention that we homeschool our kids. And so this like learning tale is just like part of our everyday journey. And so in virtual assistant company isn't quite the same because you know I'm I'm separated from them more when I'm working on that sort of thing but that's kind of how I see work I think that as to the extent possible work and personal life they kind of go hand in hand if that makes sense try to minimize the things that take you away from your family and and try to do more of the things that allow you to sort of follow your passions follow where you want to put your time and so that's what I think a well-rounded life looks like to me. It's there's no like clear-cut definition, but in essence, spending more time on the things that you really want to spend time on. Yeah, no, definitely. It's one of the things that I admire most about you, Christian, is that you've intentionally engineered your life 
to optimize for efficiency. And that's really allowed you to focus on the core pillars in life that are most important to you, namely health, family, cultural enrichment, and human connection, rather than just working on a business for the sake of of growing it into being an immensely profitable thing. Not that that's bad, but what is that without the other pillars in place? No, absolutely. No, I, I... I, I, I tell people this on my YouTube channel. I have absolutely no intention of becoming fabulously wealthy. It's just not even, it's not even like on my list of things, you know, like, of course, if it happens naturally, it happens naturally, but I, I wouldn't sacrifice. There's, there's very, very little that I would sacrifice that I have now, you know, for being, for being rich, for gathering wealth. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm with you there. And I think, you know, we all have different goals. We all have different reasons why we start businesses and it's okay to want to be amazingly, amazingly wealthy no, and no, absolutely. super profitable business. But mm-hmm. I don't know, for me, definitely having that not work-life balance and somebody um, I met with just last week put it even better. It's like a work-life blend. Like inevitably yeah. the two are intermingled all the time and yeah. things are going to go bad at work that are going to translate into your at home life with your family, with your kids, with your friends. And you've got to be able to design your life and your business to be able to have positive outcomes when those things happen and still have time to, you know, at least in my case, like go on adventures, go mountain biking, go hiking with friends, all the things that fill me up that allow me to actually be productive and create quality work and quality quality experiences when I'm totally. in this mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That sounds great. And part of our focus at this podcast is looking at entrepreneurship through the lens of being a grand adventure. And in every great adventure story, there is a guide or, or mentor who leads the hero down the path to reach their goal. And mm-hmm. Are there any mentors or influential people in your life that come to mind that have helped really shape you into the adventurous entrepreneur you are today? Um, I'm going to say there's, there's one, one sort of in a good way and one sort of in a bad way. Um, the bad one, I think, is my dad. And not to say that he's, he himself is bad in any way. Um, however, I, I've seen my dad like fail again and again and again and again oftentimes in exactly the same way it's like he never learns from his mistakes right he never creates that that security not to say it's not it's not bad my dad my I, I makes my dad sound really bad but no you're <laughs> fine man my, my parents grew up you know in in eagle point they're they're very poor um <laughs> poorly educated as well uh, i think that when my dad and my parents in particular I mean, sorry, both my parents have accomplished is, is really admirable, but I do see my dad getting taken advantage of. I do see my dad making the same types of mistakes over and over and over again. I do see my dad not creating the kind of security that I would want for my own family. I mean, I feel like, I feel like he's in a worse position than I am, even though he's, you know, in his fifties now. And, and so I, I know with, you know, in the core of my being that I don't want to be there. I don't, I don't want to. The other thing is also like when I was growing up, he, 
spent all of his time working, like, like mm -hmm. literally all of his time. And, and I, I just remember being a little kid, um, wanting to spend time with my dad. And, and it was like, he was there, but it, to a certain extent, he wasn't there. And I don't, I don't want to be that person for my kids because I think it's too easy to fall into that trap of just like working, working, working all the time, not having time for your family, not having time for your kids. For the record, I don't, I don't blame my dad. I think that um, he's, he's made leaps and bounds and where I am is only possible because of, you know, the, the progress that he's made. Um, but for my decision, for my own life, I, I don't want to be there. I don't want my kids to experience that. And so um, I've decided not to make the same mistakes. I take a critical look at the way that he lived his life and I've decided that I don't want to live the same. I don't want to, I don't want to work for a salary. Uh, I don't want to depend on one single stream of income. I don't want to depend on other people, um, like to the extent that they're like a, you know, a business paying me or whatever. Don't want to mm -hmm. depend on a salary because I'll be honest. My dad is one of the best software developers probably in the country. And when he lost his job, there's, he worked for a company in Sharefaith and they kind of went under, they got like bankruptcy and then bought and sold whatever. Mm -hmm. When they, when they went under and they laid everybody off, he, he spent, he spent years looking for a job. And I just think to myself, it was all, it was through the pandemic and everything. So it was kind of, I guess it was hard for a lot of people, but, um, but I, I do think that there are certain things that you just can't predict in this world and, and being dependent on that salary on that company is just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And so, so in that respect, um, I, I see my dad as an influence for, to an extent, the person I want to be hardworking, loving, but on the other hand, um, the person I don't want to be, you know, um, too focused, too, too focused on like one thing on a salaried position on whatever whatever it was um and on working like 100 hours a week which is what he did what he still does um on the other hand the person that i i think is incredibly influential in my own life is my wife um and when i when i met her it was just i don't she's a totally different type of person than anybody i've ever met before and i don't just say that because she's my wife um she takes she takes anything and just thinks about every single possibility, everything it could be like to, to give you an example. She was living here in London before we met um, and she was a shot girl, which is somebody who goes around and like sells shots or whatever uh, to, to people in a bar. Um, <laughs> she didn't just she didn't just like stop at being a shot girl. She like went and created her own shot girl agency because like that was just that was just what she wanted to do. She was like, I, I you know, I, this is cool and everything, but like, where does it go from here? And so she's just like, she's just like, you know, one day she just opens up an agency, walks around to different different bars and says, you know, I can I can offer you like she, she didn't even have people to work for her yet. But she's like going around to the bars saying, I'll get somebody to come work for you. <laughs> and, wow. and so she, she's basically created like a temp agency in an afternoon uh just by walking around and, and so that's the type of person that i want to be you know where where you're just always thinking about possibilities always thinking about ways to get to the next step ways to improve your position um and and i think that all throughout our relationship as long as i've known her she's always been that person and 
I, I've, I've increasingly become that person, but I'm not where she is. <laughs> I still, I'm still held back by all of my preconceived notions about everything. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I think that, I think that she's, she's everything that I want to be. And I think there's clearly some yin to the yang there between the two of you and, and synergy that that creates. And of course, having somebody that's not only your partner in life, but a business partner and your partner in raising children and you guys are working together on, on all these amazing things. Um, you know, there's not much more that I could really hope for in life. And of course, I'm, I'm lucky to have a wonderful woman yeah, yeah, of course. In, in, in my life as well, who, who is a lot of those things for me. But I, I do think, and I've seen you guys through your travels and adventures over the years, and it's always been inspiring to me, man. So I no, just want to say, you, appreciate it. Keep, keep it up. You're shining a, a very bright light into the world. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Christian, how, how is going down a wrong path at some time in your business or an apparent failure in, in life set you up to climb to even greater heights than you thought you could? Because I'm sure there's yeah. been a lot of directions over the years with throughout your travels and business ventures and not all of them yeah. have gone right. So, yeah. So there, there is one that is like screamingly obvious. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know how much you know about my, my past in the last 10 years, but uh, I had a company or have a company still called pick your photo. Um, I'm a photographer. I don't know if I'm still a photographer. I don't know if I count anymore, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, we we started pick your photo back in like 2017 um it grew over time we kind of had a different approach i, I won't go into it because it's not that important but we we grew over time it was more of a tech company than anything else but the pandemic hit um first of all i have to say that by every metric pick your photo was a wild success it was great it was probably up until i started this virtual assistant agency this out uh this outsourcing agency, it was probably the most successful business I've had. Um, but then the pandemic hit. And I don't know if you know, but in London, pretty much everything was locked down. It was essentially illegal to go outside your house, except for a handful of reasons. Um, and they kept saying, just like everybody kept saying, they kept saying that the pandemic, or sorry, the everything's going to end, everything's going to reopen. And there was a period in like, I want to say like August of 2020, something like that. They did reopen, but then cases shot up and, and they shut everything back down again. I was effectively out of work. I had a, I had a staff in Mexico who were, who were working on, you know, lots of different things. I had a couple of photographers under me uh, here in London as well. And um, we were basically paying a bunch of salaries and not not working. We had, we had about nine months runway, um, which is great. I'm super lucky to have that. Right. That's huge. Um, and we just, we just kind of sat tight because we were like, everybody's saying the pandemic's going to be over and London's going to open back up and we're going to be back in business and everything's great. Um, but then it wasn't I, I, about six months into the pandemic. I, I really started to panic because obviously we've got so much money going out the door um we let go of most of our staff um except for a couple of people in mexico city um and then it just kept going I, I i we were basically out of money i was taking odd jobs here in london but i think 
what was really difficult is I was applying for like even minimum wage positions and I got a couple of I got a couple of bones thrown to me here and there odd jobs whatever but I wasn't even getting interviews for like barista positions and it was just like it was incredibly difficult um and there came a point in like December of 2020 um where I was down to my last I want to say like 300 pounds or so um which is like I don't know like 400 dollars or something and I I made a decision um it was really really difficult but you know the thing is I I I think I've been that broke before um but there was something I, I had never been that broke since having kids yeah and I think that there's just there's something really really it's more than like I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say but it was almost like I had failed not just at the business I had failed at life right because I'm like there um sorry no, you're uh, not, not even not even able to put food on the table for my kids yeah and it's just like the most most I don't, I don't want to say degrading. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be there. I'm not trying to something along those lines. Yeah. It's a hard situation to be in. I can't even begin to imagine not having kids myself, but being yeah. in a position where you're not able to, to put that food on the table and having to figure it out, which obviously you did. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it came down to the line. Uh, I ended up, I sold my computer, which was super counterintuitive because that's how I make any income at all. Yeah. Um, and I used that money to buy a plane ticket back to Oregon. One plane ticket. I went by myself, <laughs> which, which is a, a whole nother story. But um, I, the very next day, I, I, I got in at like three o'clock in the morning. And the next day at 6 a.m., I was out there delivering DoorDash, um, which which I couldn't do here in London because, uh, because you have to, they're like all these weird rules, um, mm. which is why I went there <laughs> because I could get started the next day. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a humbling experience at first. It was incredibly difficult. Um, but you know, we made it through, um, I was used, I was borrowing my brother's car. I had no computer and I would say that that was, that was, that was my lowest point, um, probably ever. Uh, but then, you know, things kind of changed, uh, from there. I, I signed up to, I signed up, I don't know if you follow my YouTube channel or anything, but I, I kind of talk about this a little bit. Um, I, I signed up to Grubhub and DoorDash and Uber Eats and, and I ended up making a small fortune <laughs> um which which was great which was great you know going from literally my lowest point to basically coming up with a strategy to to put about you know, 50 grand in my pocket um was just wow. like it was just like just a totally totally different thing i went i bought a, the, the the next week i bought a car the week after that i bought a computer again i sent money back to my family but obviously i was still didn't see them for i don't know six months they came and visited me at one point in time. I, I flew them everybody over. Um, man, where was I going with that? Um, well, quick, quick interruption there. How did you yeah, make? Well, how long did it take to make fifty grand with the about six, six months? Wow. Okay. And what, so, how, what was your secret sauce? Were you just working all day every day delivering? Well, food? okay. So, so I signed up. I signed up for DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. Um, all three of them. And I kind of, I kind of developed a system, I suppose, where I would essentially take 
this is going to send people are going to hate me for this if they ever get DoorDash, but <laughs> but essentially I, I take you know I take Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash all at the same time. I try I, I'm really selective about what I take, um, and I try to take all of them at the same time. It's a balancing act of like you know timing and everything. Um, but I, I basically turned it into a $35 an hour job, um, and and I worked about 12 hours a day for a long time. I made. Um, my, my video that's on YouTube about it is actually, uh, I made $12,000 in my last month. Um, so that was like, that was like the best, best I ever did. So I've got a, I've got it like kind of a two part answer to like how this sort of changed me for, for the better, I suppose, the, to greater heights, <laughs> greater heights. That's what you said, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, fir the first one is I realized that cause I, I've had successful businesses in the past. Right. Um, and none of them have failed so spectacularly as that. Now I could not have predicted the pandemic. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to blame myself for that too much. None but, of us. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, it did make me realize that there, I mean, I always knew this of course, but, but it didn't, it doesn't strike you until something really bad happens sometimes that there are things that you just can't predict. And, and I, I was putting all of my eggs into this one basket, essentially. And, and that, so I realized at that point in time, it was actually about halfway through the, through the, those nine months is when I realized this, I was like, I'm actually really screwed. Um, and I started, I started turning pick your photo into what it is now, which is a platform for photographers. So a photographer can sign up to pick your photo for hundred dollars a month and essentially has all the software that I built for myself back then. Um, and so, uh, and so I, I realized that, you know, having that sort of subscription model creates a little bit more security, uh, for me against something like the pandemic or anything else that I can't predict in the future. The yeah. second thing is that I started contributing to my stock video portfolio, which stock videos, like if you go on Shutterstock or whatever, and buy a video, you know, I would get, if you bought one of my videos, I would get a cut of it. Um, and so I have, I have this huge stock, uh, media portfolio that has like, I don't know, 20,000 assets or something like that, um, that creates, you know, sort of a, a blanket. It's like a passive income blanket. And so those two things together allowed me to kind of diversify my, my money. And I realized about halfway through that nine months that I really needed to diversify. I needed, I needed to diversify, have more than one stream of income. And I needed to have at least one of them that is entirely passive, which was my ended up being my stock media portfolio. And I'm really happy to say that that has worked out for it did it did it didn't work out during those nine months, but now it's it's kind of providing that security, you know, more than I need at the moment. Um, and so I, I'm I'm really happy about that, and I think that I will probably never let that go. I think I'm going to continue, you know, continue continue contributing to my stock portfolio, even though I don't really need it anymore. Um, yeah. It's funny how those things happen, isn't it? Where you, you, it only comes back to you once you don't really need it anymore. Yeah. But what um, a great, what a great safety net to have in that moment. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God. clearly dude, the tenacity that it took to, you know, not just fold, but do what you had to do, move back to Oregon, mm -hmm. go and deliver food on DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, do what you yeah. already had honed amazing skills in how to optimize and create something that works more efficiently than the average person might go about doing it. Yeah. You know, be able to ultimately create 
a big chunk of money and set yeah. yourself back on a stable path to continue to thrive and, and be the startup creator that you are. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. And the, uh... You can't predict those things, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. The, the second thing that I did that, that really set me on what I, I guess I'll call the, you know, the right path is I, I started my YouTube channel, which I, I didn't have one before. Um, I, I, did, I, had been, I had a few videos up there, but nothing really serious. Um, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to put, you know, create content in sort of the entrepreneurship niche. Um, I didn't really know how to go about it. Um, however, when I, when I did, uh, when I did that $12,000 month, the next day I moved back down to Mexico temporarily, um, with my family. That was, it's a long story, but they were in, they were in the U S for three months. My wife can only be in the U S for three months at a time. So, um, so we, we, we all went down to Mexico after that, uh, instead of back to London, um, because she's not American, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, just for clarity. Good, good to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a criminal or anything. Just yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so we went down to Mexico, uh, right after that. And, you know, the, the very next day I recorded this video, I, I broke down point by point, my strategy on how I made $12,000 in my last month doing deliveries. Um, and, and that video, uh, that video made it pretty big. It's not, not like crazy or anything, but it's up to 125,000 views or something like that. Wow. Um, and, and so it kind of, it kind of pushed me into this, this position that I would definitely not have otherwise been in, um, where I've got a solid foundation. And what I realized from those group of people is there's a really, really big chunk of them that are sort of in this entrepreneur, small business, you know, niche, they're interested in that kind of content, which is always what I wanted to make content about. So um, for the record, I, I've been doing these, I've had a VA agency, VA agency for years. Um, I, I used to do it under the, the brand name of my, my company, my web design company, Osmosis Labs. Um, but uh, in it, early in this year, I've had some like ongoing clients, like virtual assistant clients. Early on in this year, I kind of floated on my YouTube channel the idea of separating the two and, and kind of saying, I've got a new VA agency or remote worker agency. If there are any entrepreneurs who need, you know, this kind of thing, these people are trained. I've been working with them for years, um, some of them for years, some of them for shorter amounts of time. Um, and and it, it, it struck a chord with a lot of people because I, I think that there, there were a lot of people who were already watching my, my, you know, some of them were watching the DoorDash videos, some of them were watching my older content, um, who were quite interested in, in, in outsourcing, who had maybe been in the entrepreneurship or small business uh, niches for a long time, and maybe had even read the four hour work week or who had, um, or who had tried outsourcing in the past, and it just didn't really work out for them. You know, at, outsourcing is really hard, actually, I, I've been through I'm going to say, this is going to sound really bad, but I, I, I like, I fire like 90% of the people that I hire. And it's, it's not because it's not because I'm an asshole or anything. Um, <laughs> it's because definitely not. You're a nice guy. <laughs> it's because um, it's hard. It's hard to find qualified people, especially people that you'd never meet in person. And especially people in, you know, a foreign country where sometimes they, they do or don't speak the language. Um, it's, it's, it has its own challenges. And, and so I do think that some people get really wrapped up in the story of the four hour work week 
and they think it, it kind of makes everything look really easy, of course, just like all content does. Yeah. Um, and then and then they fail at it. And so there are lo loads of these people who are kind of maybe a little bit disenfranchised who seem really interested in this service where I've already trained and vetted tons of people um, who can who I can hire out for, you know, lots of different tasks. Yeah, that's an amazing service. And I'm actually looking yeah. forward to continuing the conversation about it. I think it's something that we'll be able to utilize as well. So mm -hmm. knowing everything that you've learned throughout this amazing entrepreneurial journey from the highest of highs to pretty low lows during those COVID times, what advice would you give yourself back when you were well, very early on, I guess, about yeah. to embark on your first venture, probably at like yeah. 17, 18, right? Yeah, 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 pretty much. I, I think that the, I think the first piece of advice that I would give, I, I like to say my 20 year old self, the, the video that I'm publishing in an hour is, is titled um, something, something along the lines of, uh, something along the, something about getting into my 30s and what advice I'd give myself, you know, my 20 year old self. So. Basically, there are no, the first one is that there are no rules in entrepreneurship. I think that we all, not all of us, but we're, we're kind of, we coach each other and we watch videos and we listen to podcasts and watch YouTube videos, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some, obviously some recurring themes. And sometimes people think that, that those are rules and they kind of regurgitate the same information that they've been told as if it's like fact or something like that. And so, excuse me. The one, the biggest rule that I hear all the time that I think is baloney is that you should only focus on one business at a time. And um, I think that when I was 20, I was like super, I was super into that. Um, I, like I said, I had a web design company when I was like, when I, st I started when I was like 19. Um, and there were a couple of times where I sort of gave that up to go work for other companies. Um, where, where I would, I would work for a company for like, sort of work, work for a company or I would join, I would usually join, I, there were two different companies that I, I joined partnerships with somebody else. Um, and they both failed after about two years. And I think that the problem that I have with this rule is that there, there's, it's just so unpredictable. There's, there's 90% of businesses will fail. Uh, that's just, that's just statistics, right? And so to think that you're going to devote, you know, two or three years to something that's ultimately going to fail, I'm not trying to say that you'll never get anything out of them, even if they fail. But the idea of that to me is, is terrifying. And I did that twice, essentially devoted two years of my life that into something that ultimately failed. And so it wasn't until after that, that I really started launching multiple businesses at the same time. And I've realized that at least for me, that works way better. Because the thing is, is that I, I, I only have, I think uh, I have 12 businesses. I think only five of them are actually generating revenue. Those other seven, they might at some point in the future and any one of those five can go down and I would still have income coming in, right? And statistically speaking, you know, they probably will eventually. So it's kind of like, to an extent, there's this numbers game. Um, I don't, do you know Y Combinator? Yeah. Um, we applied for Y Combinator with Pick Your Photo. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We, we got really involved in their like uh, whatever their their pre um, their pre program was. I can't remember what it was called. 
Um, but they they go over and over and over again about how you need to be 100% devoted to this one business. And, and I totally get from their perspective that that's what they want um, because that's going to create, you know, an increased chance of success for the one business, right? But not for the, not for the individuals. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and that's, I think that when you look at Y Combinator, their philosophy is not, you know, focused, their philosophy for themselves, for the, for the, the leadership is not, um, is not focused on one thing. It's place a lot of small bets. That's kind of what they say in their handbook is what they do. And I think that, I think it, it is hard for your average person to place a lot of small bets. Um, but it's, it is still possible. And I think that that's, that's more or less what I aim to do. So if I had to, sorry, to go, to go, to go back, if I had to tell my, my 20 year old self what to do, uh, what advice I would say, don't, don't listen, like not just that rule, but any rules, anybody who says that this is what you have to do, don't listen to them. You have to figure it out for yourself. That's, there's really no, no other way to do it because they just don't apply the same to everybody and they don't apply to every era either you know maybe 30 years ago would have been different um but things are different now they're you know they're just not the same um the second thing sorry i've got a few of these um, it's a lot of uh, great insights in here because no yeah. doubt not every situation is the same and things <laughs> change rapidly so definitely please Huge. continue yeah no um i was going to say there's a, a, the second thing is that there is only so much preparation you can do preparation in general has kind of diminishing returns um, i'm not saying don't be prepared for for whatever but there's there's often this encouragement for people to be i don't know they've got to have their business plan together and they've got to have this and that the right education or whatever and i'm not trying to say any of those things are bad but but what the only thing that has ever made a difference for me is taking action taking the first step and if i can give an example my wife and i started this this flower business artificial flower business everything looked great on paper i could have thrown up a five-year business plan that made you think we were going to be millionaires in a year right um it, but the, the truth is that we we took our initial investment is about 250 pounds tiny right just yep. just a little just a little cash to try it out um and what happened what we realized is that the way that people bought the flowers they were buying like huge varieties and so we had to have in stock pretty much every variety. It's not like you can buy 250 roses and then just wait until they sell and then buy another 250 roses. You have to like buy a huge variety of things. So we were just about ready to put down another investment of about 5,000 pounds. We were gonna go to the warehouse in the Netherlands to see, you know, see the product um, and, and place our order. Um, we were pretty much ready to do that. But when we were, when we were running the numbers, we realized that as soon as we put down this 5,000 pounds, we're essentially committing to another 20,000 pounds, like in three months, something like that. And, and I just think for us, there is no way that we could have known that we were going to have to invest 20,000 pounds to make a profit if we had not taken that first step and paid the 250 pounds. There's no amount of, of being prepared that could have told us that. And, um, Sorry, where, where was I going with that? <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're onto something there that so many miss. Like, yes, yeah. we can have everything well thought out. We can mm -hmm. check every box and have this amazing plan. But until yeah. we actually take action on that plan, yeah. we're not going to find out what could go wrong or the things that we 
thought we knew that actually didn't turn out to be true. Totally, totally. And, and, and essentially, I mean, that's, that's what you have to do is you, you have to take that step. Otherwise, otherwise you'll never know. And there are tons of people. I don't know if it's, I, I spend a lot more time in the, the entrepreneurship communities here in London than I do in Oregon. Um, but there is a huge problem here in London where people pretty much prepare. They'll be, they'll like say they're going to do something sometimes for years. And it's just like that idea, it lives in your head forever. It, the, it, it, you think in 10 years, you'll look back and you'll say, I had that idea 10 years ago and it could have been a success. And then you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Truth is, it might not have been a success, but you'll never know because you didn't do it. Paralysis by analysis, right? Yeah, pretty much. So if I had to give myself, uh, my 20 year old self, um, any advice, I would say, yeah, prepare, but take action sooner rather than later. I love it. And it's good <laughs> advice. Do you, yeah. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah, please. no, sorry. I've got, I've got another one. I, I've actually go for got it. at least one. Let's see. Um, the last one, not the last one. Sorry. The next one is that um, it's knowing when to quit is a very valuable skill and not a weakness. Uh, I think that we, we tell ourselves, we tell each other that, you know, people, I don't know, winners don't quit and quitters don't win. Um, but I think that that's not true. I think that uh, quitters win more often. I think that when people know when to quit, it means that it's time to move on to something else. In, in the video, I, I say this that I'm about to publish, I say this a little bit differently. I say know when the investment isn't worth it anymore um, instead of when to quit because quit's got a negative connotation, right? Yeah. But I think that, I think that this, this, this thought that we're taught in grade school about never quitting, never giving up, it, it kind of, to an extent, it does translate to business. Um, you know, you need that tenacity uh, in, order to, in order to get what you want. But at the same time, there is a certain point when it's not worth it anymore and you should be on moving on to something else. Um, that's what I would tell my, my 20 year old self. I think that I stuck too long in certain things that were never gonna work out. Uh, yeah. And that I, you know, wish that I hadn't, I suppose. That's all. You gotta know when to pull them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's I could have put it that way, huh? No one to hold them, no one to fold them. Um, the last one that I have is that uh, I put way too when I was twenty, I put way too much stock into what YouTubers, podcasters, whoever, whoever had a mic, I would listen, um, listen to tons of audiobooks, and 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 not to say that any of that is bad, but you, I think if I were talking to my 20, 20 year old self right now, I'd say take everything with a grain of salt because mm -hmm. there's so many people out there who are if not financially incentivized to 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 exaggerate things then sometimes they just flat out lie to you you know there's there's a lot of bs out there um it's mostly bs to be honest yeah, and for sure there's gold gold nuggets out there but yeah yeah it's a big world of bs as well totally totally and so i i think that I think that that's a skill too, is learning how to identify, you know, the gold nuggets from the BS. Um, but yeah, no, those are, those are my main points. I would say the main awesome. things that I would tell myself. Yeah. And I think they're, they're great words of wisdom that even now we should all heed and, and take for real because in life, especially with, with the last one, there is so much. And what you see on social media is somebody's best day or the filter that shows the, you know, the beautiful face when, you know, in fact, there's a lot of stuff hiding behind that mask that, that we don't get to see. And yeah. 
if we only focus on how easy it is for some, it's so easy to fall into a, a mental trap that that doesn't help you get to where you want to go. So reading between the lines, it's it's huge, man. Awesome, Christian. Well, dude, I, I really appreciate everything that you've shared with us today. And for our audience, where can people find you online? Website, socials, things like that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, you can find me. So I've, I've got a YouTube channel. It's Call Me Lil. Call, like call me and L-I-L. Lil is my nickname. Stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, no. And the, my my uh, my company is called Lil Assistance. That's my, my outsource agency. Um, I, you can find me there. I'm also on Instagram, just Christian Osmo, at Christian Osmo. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much me. I've also got pickyourphoto.com. If anybody's anybody out there is a photographer, you know, it could be a, a good resource. Um, and and Learning Tail. Those are my three biggest companies. Pick Your Photo, Low Assistance, Learning Tail. Learning Tail is kids' educational material. Awesome, man. Well, it's, people can take their pick or check out all three, and we'll put all that in the show notes for our audience. And thanks, man. Christian, my it. friend, I, I just really appreciate your time as always having followed your journey since, you know, we were in high school together. I just want to mm -hmm. say that you've been an immensely positive and inspiring influence in my life. And I look forward to continuing to root for you throughout your journey, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.